Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Pause here, Bill, and go as the president walks out of Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Keep in mind, this is not just the president returning to the White House. This may be patient zero. Uh, this is the virus coming back to the White House. I see, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. <laughs> We've all stacked grocery shelves. Black uh, women Americans uh, don't feel bad like he's singling you out, although he does seem to have some uh, baked-in notions <clears throat> about the black community, and we've seen that now for years. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and... And, and clean, nice-looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook. The first one, Obama was the first one. He wasn't no um, uh, shelf um, stalker. Oh, man. He's just got a... I don't think he's got a nefarious um, racist bone in him. I don't think he he's, he's like that. But he certainly has some arcane notions about... Uh, <laughs> And some, and some stereotypical thoughts on uh, uh, the black community. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Uh, thanks, I guess. I, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Nothing. It's uh, he doesn't take a hit on any of this stuff. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. 
You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It right? don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see. Take you a look at people. my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The world. I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. You know, I've been critical of you. Um, I, I have a few things I want to talk to you about. This I know day. you have. Yeah. You don't know me. Whoo, the NAACP has supported me, so shut up and get behind him. Anyway, that's not the big news today. Yes, uh, Biden did have a gaffe. It's uh, something, it happens, it happens, it happens. Geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf. <laughs> I miss stocking shelves did he say stack or stock it doesn't matter okay i miss that i miss now especially if i could just listen to podcasts overnight stocking shelves not overnight because that's at my age now i'm 48 now i'd be am i 48 i'm 47 i'd be i'd be um dead uh, in about uh two days but the idea of having a nice mundane job which i've had many of certainly through my 20s and into my 30s uh, and I am prepared to have them again, believe me, because I am I work in print newspaper and I have a background in broadcast talk radio AM. And uh, those things are evolving, I guess we'll say. But anyway, you know, I've, I used to I had this job when I was um, when I was a teenager, 17 or 18 and we were, I worked at, it was like a Walmart, but it wasn't. Up in New England, you'll know it was called Caldor. But it was a department store, like a Walmart. But our job then, we would get in at 4 a.m. And our job was to unpack a truck, the, the 40-foot trailers. Maybe it was long. It was a big 18-wheeler thing. So it would be in the, sticking into the loading dock. And one person would go up there into the truck. And we'd have this metal track that we'd roll out. It was on wheels. And that metal track would go uh, would go from the warehouse floor like 25 feet into the truck. Not 25 feet in, but 25 feet to the truck. And then you'd have guys along the truck. So you, then you'd take boxes and you'd throw them down the ramp. And then the people at the bottom of the ramp would see the boxes and see the special marking on the boxes. Um, and then they would... They would... Um, Hold on, my colleague is asking me about something. Uh, it's newspaper stuff. Very nice. Uh, um, that's tomorrow's uh, front page, and it looks great. So anyway, so so this you'd grab the boxes from in the truck. The guy up there would be a guy with a weight belt on, usually kind of a, a strong guy. So he'd take the boxes and chuck them down the ramp that were on rollers. And as the box would head towards the end of the ramp, and this had to be done in record time because these sh shelves need to be stocked every day before the store opens. And as they go to the bottom of the ramp, there's markings on each box, and workers down there would grab the box and put it on whatever pallet that it needs to go onto. So in other words, you'd grab, you'd fill up a pallet full of housewares, and the thing marking might say H for housewares or electronics, HVM, high-value merchandise, we weren't allowed to touch that, um, and uh, that kind of thing. So then, so what would happen is that you'd empty the truck, the, the person would empty the truck, 
chuck all the boxes and distribute them on. Well, he'd throw the boxes down the ramp. The guys at the bottom would put all the stuff on pallets and then take pallet trucks or pallet jacks and, you know, run to the whatever department and unload the things in, um, what do they call them? Bulkheads? Those big shelves, anyway. I think they, were they bulkheads? You know, if you've worked in this thing. And we'd use a, a state-of-the-art then, a SKU code, you know, to find out exactly where they go. So, um, so, so we do that. By the way, I'll, we're going to talk to Alice in, uh, towards the end in a, a few minutes, but she has to go to work, actually. There, there may be some shelf stocking involved in what she does. So that's, that's what happens. So anyway, the, the job, the thing was that this stuff had to be out on the floors in rapid time because those trucks would get in in the middle of the night. And then our job was to buy seven o'clock or whatever, make sure that all those, all the, all the product is in and on the shelves. And that was our job. I think it might've been a union job. I think it was. And that's why only we could do it. We had to take our 15 minute breaks and then a half hour. So there was like the guy who had been forever there was a guy who would un- unpack the truck. He'd be up there in the truck and he'd be grabbing the stuff. And that was you had some heavy lifting. And that was a that was a really it was an intense and um, it just took a lot of strength and endurance to do it. And so so that guy would do uh, would do that part of the job. And hang on one second, stay with me. Hey Sally, Sally, Sally. Mommy, uh, Cyril misses mommy. Can you make sure he's happy and bribe him or do whatever you need to do? Okay, thank you. So anyway, um, so that was a tough job. That was a, a barn burner of a job being up there because those the, the, those trucks were hot as hell. This is summer, so those trucks were hot as hell already. And then it was just you were working, working, working to throw all these things on the on the. On the uh, track, and there's a system too. So you want to you you try to like pair up all the things that are going in one certain part of the store together. So like I said, all the housewares, all the electronics, or the baby stuff, you try to do it. So you you look at boxes and try to chuck them and chuck them. So anyway, the guy was either quit or was out sick, and they put me in charge of doing it. And I was nervous because I was like only 17 or whatever, and, and these guys were in their mid 20s and. And I was like, Jesus, this is a big thing. But I was a big guy. I had really no strength, but I was big. And so you would be, the illusion is that I'm strong or was strong. So anyway, there we go. The clock starts, boom, and I'm emptying the truck, and I'm really good at it. And I was chucking the boxes down, chucking the boxes down, chucking the boxes down, chucking the boxes down. I was a sweaty mess. I was completely sweaty. And, and you know, I was doing it, like, for a week and then, like, a week and a half, and the guy said, the management said, you know, you're you're really a natural at this, and I and I was good at. It. I don't know why that was my thing. And they said that uh, there's a chance that that you could break the speed record of New England of these stores, Caldor stores. And like by the end of the week, I had broken the record. I think that this part really happened, or I'm just saying it, but I'm pretty sure I did. I broke the speed record. I beat somebody in Connecticut. And I got my employee of the month mug. And and then, um, you know, I didn't work there for all that much longer. Um, you know, you can only be at the top for so long, the champ for so long. But, geez, that was, it, but that was so fun. It was fun to think about it now. Man, what a great job that was. You get in there when it's, 
when it's still dark at four in the morning. And, and but, but back then, of course, I didn't have headphones. To, I mean, they had headphones, but you didn't have podcasts to listen to. Um, but I would do stuff like that again. You know, I look at sometimes these these Amazon jobs, ever assuming that the all my other media jobs dry up, whatever. Um, and think, wouldn't that be cool to work in an Amazon warehouse? As long as you could listen to podcasts, the the warehouse is like a mile big, and be in your own little quadrant and never see anybody. Wow, that would be that would be cool. It doesn't pay very much, but you know, you got to be ready to do any gig, right? At the end of the day. I can still do the podcast, and that's all that matters. Um, it is interesting just how how generationally things are thought of. You know, I thought I, – I, I came from – I grew up in, like I've said before, Winchester, so it was a nice town. Everybody went to college. Um, it, was, it was just guaranteed. You know, I was the worst. I was not taking uh, the path uh, most taken. As I know Robert Frost didn't say that but i didn't read him so so anyway um so it was looked down on to have a job like we are unpacking trucks it's certainly looked down on um but my dad who, who was born in 1937 and his parents of course were children of the depression and this is probably get the same thing for you especially if you're if your parents or your dad and mom were the from my parents' generation. You know, they were born in the about around nineteen forty or so, and then uh, so their parent, my grandparents, were born just after the turn of the century. But they treated that mug I got, the employee of the month mug, like it was the holy grail. They, I mean, there was nothing more valuable in their generation than good hard work. And that was, to them, that was the biggest honor I could have. I, I might as well have won the Academy Award, but even it was even better. They were so proud. I didn't get it back then. I'm like, what? It's, it's Caldor. Who cares? I'm, what does it matter? But for, for that generation and generations since, and it's Peter, it, I think it, it Peter's out here and there, but it, there are still people who understand that uh, that there's something very honorable and valuable about good hard work and doing the best you can and and yeah no that was that that thing was just considered the most uh <laughs> the most uh, cherished um, symbol of success and they were very 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 pleased if you have stories like this please feel free to dm me them and or you can hit me on hit me up on um mm, uh, an email that's winchester at gmail.com but there's two ends in winchester that's my middle name winchester at gmail.com or uh you can get me on twitter at any time i didn't mean to tell you that story but uh you know i'm glad i did all right donald trump president trump has left walter reed hospital just a few minutes ago as you can imagine the media is not pleased listen to this reporter yell to him as he's leaving the uh hospital arriving at the uh, white house you can see that they've got their script ready, and it reads like this. Pause here, Bill, and go. As the president walks out of Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, let's listen in. Mr. President, how many staff are sick? How many of your staff are sick? Thank you very much. Thank you. Do you think you might be a super spreader, Mr. President? Ah, uh, man. Do you think you might be a super spreader? wonder was was that a question that's meant to be answered or is that a question meant to highlight the questioner and get him some uh twitter love 
But that's the press. I mean, they're not there for, for you. They're not there to serve you. They're not emptying that 40-foot truck to get your stuff to housewares. They don't care about you. We live in a world with HVM, high-value merchandise, and that's not your world, so screw you. They don't care. Um, uh, while, he's doing, while he did it, so Trump is back. Now, it's funny. I like talked to Michael Graham this morning at like 6.43. For some reason, we talk way too often. We talk every morning, and usually it reminds me of, of our dog. My, I have a, a um, dog named Pepper, who's you've probably seen her if you follow my Instagram, which is Calvin Caspian. Uh, Pepper is a jerk, but uh, she's a nice-looking doggy. She's a foxhound. And every day now, Pepper runs to the fence in the side of my yard, and the dog over there is named Shannon. And every day, Shannon and Pepper, there's a wire fence, so they can't really fight. But every day, Shannon and Pepper fight for 15 seconds through the fence. Nobody gets any good shots in because there's the the fence is in the way, and even though it's wire and you could probably stick your hand in there, uh, nobody really. But it's every day, every day they have this brawl, every single day, and that's the the media, and that's what they intend to do. That's what they're there to do, and they're and it's just a simply re- each day is a facsimile of the last. So. Uh, other news today, Joe Biden is out and about. He's on a campaign trail. He's continued to be magnanimous about uh, President Trump, although I assume that's going to end at some point. As uh, Trump feels better, I assume he'll be returning to, I think he'll be returning to his uh, old form or his uh, pre-COVID form. Maybe not. It would be a good time to pivot. Being down 14 points in a national poll is not great news. But who knows? I don't know. I mean, does he does he have pivot in him? What's hold on? There's either an animal or a child in the door here. I'm just trying to close this door. Okay. Um. So I don't know. Uh. But here's uh Joe Biden once again. Now he's made it firm. You will be under a Biden presidency. You will be masking up. At the top, my prayers continue to be with the president, and the first lady, for their health and safety, as they like so many American families are dealing with COVID nineteen. I was glad to see the president speaking and recording videos over the weekend. Now that he's busy tweeting campaign messages, I would ask him to do this. Listen to the scientists. Support mass. By the way, that is excellent copy that's in Biden's uh, script. That's in that teleprompter. Now that he's up in busy tweeting again, totally encapsulating by, uh, Trump and um in kind of a satirical way, but it's he is up busy tweeting again. It's, it's just good copy to say busy tweeting. You know, he's not busy presidenting; he's busy tweeting. Um, this is a, a good tone by the the Biden campaign to handle. It's just politically. I mean, I don't know. Remember, this is the the politics of this thing are a game, but uh, Team Biden is uh, has hit a good stride here. It helped, of course, by the global pandemic. Helped also by the fact that when Trump is dissing masks for weeks and weeks and months and months and downplaying the virus, I think that is that there is that is a trait or that is behavior um, that actually displays some leadership and courage. And you want to see strength in leadership and courage from 
uh, from the president of the United States. And that's a kind of nice swaggery thing to have, too, if you're saying, I'll wear the mask, but I don't really like to wear them. And, uh, you know, I'll social distance, but I don't really like to. I wanted to get back to normal. You're signaling to people that you want to return to normal. And you're signaling to people that you're going to bust through this COVID. Like, you know, the football team, when they run through the banner, you're going to break through this thing. And you're not going to be hindered by it. And that is a very good and uh, alpha thing to say unless you get COVID. In which case, um, it's a bad look. But that's you know, when you're when you're a guy like Trump. In the strength and brand building is about being the best, being the strongest, being the fastest, being the whatever in history. They tell me it might be the best of all time. When you're a smack talker like that, then one of the reasons a lot of people don't do smack talking is because they've been bitten in the behind by it. So you got to be a special kind of guy to be a smack talker. And you have to develop a, a thick skin because you, when you get pie in the face, nobody has empathy for you. But I digress. Support a mask mandate nationwide. Require mask in every federal building and facility and inter- interstate travel. Ur- I'm sure everybody in every federal building has a mask on. Um, I'm sure that they require masks already. Interstate travel, though, uh, that's when we're having a little bit of a problem here because who's going to wear masks when? I mean, this is it's an unrealistic thing to do. It could be a nominally practical uh, regulation and meant to have the spirit of it uh, usher through a certain um, behavior by the masses. That said, that you're going to have a problem if the executive branch says, unless you're in one of the executive buildings. By the way, we declare from on high that you in the states have to do mask stuff. There's no it's a it's a, it's a slogan more than a policy point. I urge every governor and mayor to do the same. We know it saves lives. His administration just rejected a mask. So to say we know it saves lives, the common cloth mask, the surgical masks that you see, those are not this is the CDC suggests that those are not effective in stopping or or or, or um, prohibiting uh, droplets, coronavirus droplets, aerosols, whatever they're called, from getting into your mouth and nose. Those ones. The N95 and better are considered the, the things that, that can be more effective. But it's fine. I don't want to do mask talk uh, all over the place. Remember, the CDC says the ones that we're, ha- that we're using aren't really effective for COVID. But the, they don't want us getting the N95s because they don't want a shortage. And they say it. It's right on their website. I'm not a mask truther or, or, or anything. Go look it up. It's, this, stuff, the, this stuff is right there. To, so so to, save it, to say it saved lives, I guess probably – Probably it has. I mean, being locked down has saved lives when not many people were on the streets and driving in cars. I, I, well, that's probably more provable. Mandate for public transportation on Friday. The CIA came along and said, we need to be protected. And they said, no. I believe that was wrong and not very rational. 
Um, this is... So, I mean, everybody, he's been inconsistent on this. A couple months ago, he was, he didn't think a mask mandate itself was very rational. There's a constitutionalist whether the federal government could issue such a mandate. I don't think constitutionally they could. I know you have to decipher that with something. Just play that at half speed. It is a constitutional issue, constitutional issue with whether the federal government could issue such a mandate. So I don't think they could. But we'll see. But they're mad at you. It doesn't really matter. Government is mad at you. It's not just the federal government. On the state level, um, uh, is it Andrew Cuomo? Is he the governor? Chris Cuomo is the scene again. Andrew Cuomo is mad. And he is mad. Uh, how do I say this gingerly? He's got an issue with the Jewish community. And he would like the Jewish community to fall in line immediately. And he's going to make it quite clear that um, there will be ramifications if you do not. I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogues. Huh. Now, just anecdotally, do I find that a lot of my Jewish acquaintances like to be singled out? Uh, no. No, I would say that there's a historical uh, precedent that might make them sensitive to that kind of thing. But uh, he said it. He means it. I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogues. <laughs> Talk about a court battle. Good luck with that. But I'm sure he'll try to do it. And who knows? Who knows? Now, he, it's interesting that he singled out the Jewish community. Now, there are indications that other communities as well are having problems with COVID. We've been told that a certain community is is um, suffering more under, under the uh, disease and that, indeed, the fatality rate is higher for some communities more th than others. So although he never mentions this community by name, Como talks about why perhaps that community is, is having... A, a is uh, suffering in greater numbers. And now there's been a spike in some of the boroughs in, in uh, a spike, I should say an uptick, in some of the boroughs in Manhattan. So so Cuomo doesn't mention the community, another community who is having a problem handling uh, this disease, which is tragic. But he, he really draws a faint chalk outline of what he's trying to say. Uh, the NYPD tension with the community. Uh, what community is, is it? The, or is it the Orthodox Jewish community that they're having? What? Where is their tension, Governor? Tell us exactly. Uh, the NYPD tension with the community. Uh, do they want to engage in this kind of activity? Then you go to uh, the mayor's been using the sheriff. The sheriff's office is 150 people. What do you think 150 people are going to do? Well, you know, I, I appreciate you transferring some blame to the idiotic mayor of New York. But you skated past the vagary there for a moment that I think you need to uh, color it in for us a, a little bit more. Uh, the NYPD tension with the community. Uh, 
Do they want to engage? It's a lives mattering event uh, happening, a uh, Minnesota a uh, police incident affected community in this kind of activity then you go to uh, the mayor's been using the sheriff right now don't worry about the, what the mayor uses so in other words you have beat the crap out of the police for 4 months since the George Floyd killing in another state you have threatened to defund the police you have persecuted the police in the media continually you have allowed crime to spike. You have allowed people to target the police with violence on the streets of New York. And you're acting like for some reason the police are not engaging with the community. Huh. How does that happen? I don't understand how that could happen. I mean, it can't be Cuomo. He's a really good leader. He's selling posters. Uh, all of the... Leaders in New York have been fantastic, haven't they? Bill de Blasio, the idiotic mayor of New York City. Um, bad news. If you live in New York City in any of these boroughs that are about to be affected by the brilliant non-leadership of Bill de Blasio, sorry, that sucks to be you. It was fun while New York lasted. But unfortunately, they're seeing uh, some additional coronavirus cases even though it was 15 days to flatten the curve. Where is this? Remember we were told back in March, 15 days to slow the spread. New recommendations, um, simple to follow, have a resounding impact on public health. Uh, built on the CDC's general recommendations to spread the, help prevent the spread, there should be continue practicing personal hygiene, including washing hands for at least 20 seconds, etc., and this particular, uh, this particular piece of guidance is called 15 Days to Slow the Spread. From the CDC, 15 days in the World Health Organization, 15 Days to Slow the Spread. If you feel sick, uh, stay at home, don't go to work. If your children are sick, then just needed 15 days. You did what you were supposed to do. You waited your 15 days. Are we going to open by Easter? That I thought we were going to, then we weren't going to. But now the goalposts have been moved to simply not... The days of worrying about being overrun in hospitals, that's over. That already happened in New York City. The hospitals actually were never overrun. But they lost thousands of people but what's happening now is there are more cases in some of these boroughs they're doing more testing there's some of these more cases in parts of manhattan now i'm not going to suggest but by, by letting large-scale protests um in not only letting but encouraging them and being parts of them within Bobasio's case it, it could be a spreading event but i would think it would be so maybe you're culpable in all this stuff because you really care about the coronavirus until you don't for a political reason, and then you really do again. But then when there's a problem now, it's you, the law-abiding, tax-paying New Yorker who's got to pay the price. So today, unfortunately, is not a day for celebration. Today is a more difficult day, and I'm going to be giving an update uh, that gives me... Not difficult for him.
This is difficult for you. We know joy at all. In fact, it pains me to be putting forward this approach that we'll need. But in some parts of our city. So I'm going to uh, enthusiastically do it again and again and again and again and again. But no joy. In Brooklyn and Queens, we're having an extraordinary problem, something we haven't seen uh, since the spring. Uh, what has become clear is that there are a number of neighborhoods now that have continued to have a high level of coronavirus positivity and that requires stronger action than we've had to take for many months. It is necessary to stop the spread of the coronavirus in these communities and beyond, and it's necessary for the good of all of New York City, which still overall continues to have a very low positivity level. We have to keep it that way, so we have to take strategic action now to protect everyone over 8 million. Stopping the spread. Not saving the lives, it's stopping the spread. New Yorkers who are depending on this virus to be held in check. So the plan. It's not. Hell, we didn't agree to holding the virus in check. We agreed to flattening the curve so that the spike would not be 400,000 people in two and a half weeks. That's what we agreed to. And then we were allowed to come up and start living our lives again, knowing that there's risk. The moment we open up, we know that there's risks. There's a pandemic throughout the globe. But it's going to go at some point, And then we're going to have to pick up the pieces of our lives. plan is to rewind in these nine zip codes, to rewind, to go back. Rewind. That sounds so anodyne. No, 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 no. It's not that we're cutting off all the income you have to save you, your family, your business, your house, your parents, your livelihood, your kids' future. No, 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 no. We're just rewinding. Be a good person about the- wear a mask. To address the problem by using the tools that we know work, which is to uh, ensure that non-essential businesses are not open and a variety of activities are not happening. Right. So you're screwed. Non-essential businesses are not working. Those are the tools we, that we know work. Of course, those are the tools we were also using in uh, the middle to late April when 30,000 people died. It worked so well that we only lost 30,000 people. Of course, in March, we were using different tools to try to uh, prevent the virus in New York and uh, San Francisco. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come. There he is. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. You promise we're not going to ever have to rewind, though, right? No, go to Chinatown. To Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of <laughs> Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives. But there's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers. We are hardy people. Americans do not need to panic. What I would suggest, however... Mm-hmm. These are all the city municipal leaders. And you heard the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, in there, de Blasio, Cuomo, etc. These are all the people who now it gives them no joy to tell you you have to rewind. And their lives have not been affected whatsoever. The rewinding doesn't affect them. They've got government jobs. 
is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu. There's very little threat here. This disease, even if you were to get it, basically acts like a common cold or flu. So we're telling Thank New you, Yorkers, Bill. go about your lives, take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. Do not miss the parade. Get out there. Don't miss the parade. No masks necessary. Doesn't matter. Have a good time. Trump has, has is stopped flights from China. He's a jerk. So we're going to push back against him, guys. Remember, this is all about Trump. That's what it was in March. That's what it is now. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people, about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Right, right, because yeah. this is New York and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. Well, there we go. There we go. Thank you. We'll believe you this time. Because of their guidance, because of their mismanagement, your life has to be ruined. They're giving themselves accolades. They're giving themselves trophies. They're writing, they're shutting down Manhattan again. Cuomo already wrote a book on how he beat this thing. In freaking incredible. Incredible. If you had a working media, then this would be far and wide and people would know it and... And these total leches would be um, would be thrown out of office, and and in the, from either party, anybody who has done this and who has scared people underground when not necessary, um, it, this is this is horrific. This is horrific. But no, the, your media is doing something else. They're watching President Trump, who they consider he is the number one threat to them. It is not the coronavirus. It is Trump is a bad, bad, bad person. Now the reason. The psychological reason for why that is is between them and their uh, shrinks and their psychotropic medicines, whatever. But so, for instance, here's a commentary from uh, Wolf Blitzer from CNN, Jim Acosta having a conversation. Remember, these are news people giving you the news while Trump returns to the White House. If he answers any questions uh, or if he just says thank you and gives a thumbs up. Oh, that's right, Wolf. They'll try to ask him some questions as he comes into the White House. But keep in mind, this is not just the president returning to the White House. This may be patient zero. Uh, This is the virus coming back to the White House. And I will tell you. Patient zero for the virus. The cut. He is the virus. Hey, Wolf, having been here all day, it is eerily quiet uh, and empty inside the corridors of the West Wing. Uh, with Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, testing positive for the virus to press assistance, testing positive for the virus. They evacuated much of the West Wing uh, earlier today. All of those staffers have gone home, just about all of them. See if he answers. So, um, you know, you, you know what you're going to get. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. Um, there is a, um, the get out the vote movement. This is always uh, funny. But this is it's an election year and they're they're Democrats need the same people. They need the Obama constituency to get out and vote. So um, and this is an NPR article in an election season where get out the vote messaging is seemingly ceaseless. 
a 90-second video featuring more than half a dozen dancers, these are strippers, testifying to the importance of down-ballot races may be the most provocative. In the video, a woman in high lace-up boots walks away from the camera toward the stage with patriotic bunting. She wraps one of her hands around a silver pole. These are They're doing a stripper thing, and these women are essentially naked uh, in the... In the booty sense, I would say, and shaking, you know, how much do I sound like Lawrence Welk? I'm just trying to keep the podcast clean. <clears throat> They're shaking their money makers, I guess. I don't know. So the, the beat drops. The women and other dancers begin to perform. And the repeated message is a simple one. Get your booty to the poll. It's a different kind of voting PSA. One that has stirred up a conversation about who shows up in elections and who isn't being reached by the current outreach efforts. The video, directed by Angela Barnes, has gone viral online despite being intended for an Atlanta-based audience with a limited promotional strategy so far. Barnes said that she and producer Paul Fox wanted to make this video to fill a gap in traditional get-out-the-vote messaging, which she feels largely fails to reach black men. But she said she wanted to target a more specific, smaller demographic within a subset of potential black male voters, so she chose to center the video on Atlanta's booming strip club scene. <clears throat> so here you go this is not insulting at all i mean we thought the, the fact that black women get to stock shelves well i guess they're also allowed to be strippers apparent according to all these white people producing uh media media narratives on them so here's a little bit of the of the spot uh, i think i took the swear out of this Get, get, get your booty to the pole, 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 get your booty to the pole. repetition is there. Booty to the pole, get your booty to the pole, yeah. Did we get your attention? Good. So, you're really not gonna vote? You know it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? Check it. A district attorney decides who to prosecute, including whether or not to go after dirty cops. Do you know who elects the DA? We do, but you don't want to vote. Can't make it rain if you locked up on some bull****. Want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote for the school boards that will prepare us for the job market. Want to end cash bail? Well, then vote for the sheriffs and county officials that feel the same way you do. But you talking about, oh, they going to pick who they going to pitch, shouty. <laughs> well, if you want to make it rain, don't get caught up in the, don't get locked up for no, anyway, I don't know if they're going to pick who they're going to pick, shorty. Um, but, uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's that. Man, I don't know how, how much you can insult, uh, black people in this country anymore. Oh, man. But the people who made that are probably really good people and they have got yard signs, uh, to prove it. All right. We're going to talk about something a little closer to home to us. And this is something that if you, and we all remember, it was just a couple of months ago. All the beautiful, um, you know, lily white towns with all the the middle upper class people taking a knee and doing the white power thing and putting it on Facebook and Instagram. This is the real life consequence of cultivating that kind of thinking, that kind of performance art, and and just feeding, watering the weed that is, uh, you know, this intersectional, rabid movement. Um, that is uh, really wokeism 2020, and it's coming to our town, which we'll tell you in a second. We just got this email, and it's coming to your town. Go right, Alice. How are you, by the way? 
I'm well. Um, You've been slammed all all day, by the way, just so you know. And uh, Alice has been cleaning and do, handling new iPads for kids and and bills and uh, all that stuff. And so I've just pulled her out of uh, the third floor uh, hellscape that is the kids' playroom. And uh, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, so this is um, a news item in the Newburyport News that's uh, new this week. And... Um, this group, MARA, the Merrimack Anti-Racism Alliance that started in the wake of the George Floyd shooting in June um, when all these protests and things were going on, um, they uh, have finally decided to take action, definitive action. And that action comes in the form of a letter with their demands to our school district. We share a school district with Merrimack, uh, the Pentucket School District. So it's a letter. It's signed by 54 people. And um, it wa- they want... Um, Go ahead, read it verbatim. This is uh, the least surprising thing, of course, that I have... Uh, that I have read, or whatever the article, just read the article, whatever, wherever we were sent by our informant neighbor. Um, so the article says the Merrimack Anti-Racism Alliance has sent a letter to the Pentucket Regional School Committee demanding annual anti-racism training for all administrators and staff members, anti-racist curriculum at the schools, and, oh, good. and the retirement of the Sachem mascot. Oh, we saw that coming. Yeah, so... Uh, Mara, which formed in early June, is a group made up of community members from Merrimack, Groveland, West Newbury, and surrounding towns. With conversations about race increasingly taking place around the country and the world, the group said in its letter to the committee, many members of this district may believe that racism is not a notable issue in our district, but that is simply Bastards. not the case. Bastards. Trump voters. The letter signed by the racism 54 is everywhere people in this district. and sent September 28th features an anonymous testimonial by a mother of two from the Dominican Republic who describes her son's experience with bullying while attending kindergarten in the district. I want to be clear. I don't approve of bullying. The experience, which resulted in a trip to the emergency room, led the family to pursue other educational options outside the district. We need training. Who knew that bullying and hospitalizing a little kid was something that was seen as... Uh, untoward not acceptable in kindergarten you know what i think would help would be if we make everyone who's white feel bad about being white i think that would help a lot that is apparently (laughs) already largely been done i know so uh, anyway it must be the color blindness that caused the bullying i don't know because they go on to say that um this is one of the many reasons why we are writing to you to emphasize what we need to discuss and pursue that we that we need to discuss and pursue meaningful change in regards to how our district discusses, teaches, and thinks about race and racism. Members of the group wrote before reminding. In other words, that it's everywhere, and even though you may not think so, and even though we, this community is predominantly, uh, almost completely white, and even though half of the residents here have Black Lives Matter. They did everything we were told to do this summer. They have the stickers. They have the they have the uh, the lawn signs. You know, they went to the rallies. They used uh, Instagram. Right. It wasn't good enough. Right. With the letter, the group included an appendix of anti-racist articles, books, films, and podcasts for the district to consider weaving into the curriculum. In an email to the Daily News, Ashley Linehan, a Merrimack resident in Pentucket Regional High School, class of 2015 alumna, by my math, that would make her about 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Well, she's a sage then, definitely. Uh, it says, um, now do you want to take guesses on Ashley Linehan's racial or ethnic background? 
I would say she was a a white uh, woman of Northern European descent. Uh, well, they don't specifically say, but mm. she said she joined Mara so she could use her privilege to draw attention to issues that BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, have been raising for years. The mascot issue to name one, as well as the fact that it is undeniable that racism is still undeniably um, intertwined into our institutions, our societies, and our consciousness. There you go. Small town racism, colorblindness, and microaggressions are still racism. Yes, very, so, very... Look, tell me, is it the colorblindness that landed the young child of Dominican background in the hospital? Is it the colorblindness? That, that was systems, that? by the way, in very red state Massachusetts, of course, in a red part of the, in a blue part of the blue state. It's, uh, Ashley Linehan is a, um, know nothing, but go ahead. Right. Let's point out too, that our school district just had major ethical problems being in bed with a democratic political candidate. So, you know, it's not like, not literally, what? Not literally in bed. Not literally in bed, true. Um, uh, but but very figuratively in bed with a democratic political candidate. So, um, so it's not as though they're like a hotbed of conservative thought, really. Our school district, I'd say. Um, so we have been told by BIPOC that Mayor McGroveland and West Newbury are no fly zones for them. That they tell other BIPOC to avoid our three towns. No fly zones. Oh my Because God. they are not a safe place for people <laughs> who are not white. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you're from anywhere in the rest of the country, and I know a lot of you are, as a matter of fact, I saw a little map thing that showed me. Um, Newburyport, Massachusetts is a safe zone for every human being on the face of the earth. And, um, well, but no, I take that back. Not if you're wearing a MAGA hat. That is not a safe, <laughs> zone, not a safe zone for, for you, no. For you there. But this, this is a zero crime area with zero hate crime. Apparently one case of bullying in kindergarten. But the problem ain't here, which is why Ashley Linehan and Mara is uh, introducing systemic racism. Because if there's no, you know, If you can't find the real racism. If there's no existential racism, then we're going to find it. It's hidden in the system somewhere deep in the metadata. So does it tell us what the, what the kids are going to learn in school? Um, I can tell you what they're learning. You don't, you don't, you don't even have to, to go there because I know you're going to go. No. Um, it, what's going to happen is that um, a BIPOC person is going to <laughs> be paid a lot of money by the school district. He's then going to go to each school in the district um, and he's going to explain to the kids and staff how they're racist. And the kids and staff are going to agree. If the kids don't agree, they'll be compelled by staff to agree. And if they still don't agree that they're racists and bad people, then we're going to have uh, what's called a civil rights issue here in Massachusetts. And the state will be called in. And uh, and there you go. We will have – we've wished this upon ourselves. This is happening in our – this idiocy is happening in the bluest of blue Massachusetts and guilty liberal school districts. districts. It's going to happen to yours too. And so if you're a parent or grandparent of a – a nice kid who's a, just a good kid, they're going to label your kid a racist and they're going to burden him with having to unracist himself with performance uh, art and um, performative uh, gestures and uh, symbolism uh, for the rest of his days in this school district. And hopefully he'll come limping out with a guilty conscience for daring to be named Linehan. Sorry. 
Thoughts, Alice? Does this make you happy or less happy that uh, your kids are not in the public school system? Um, I'm happy my kids are not in the public school system um, because anti-racist education and critical race theory and all these things are, um, they are a form of mass hysteria. I really think that. And they are, it really, the whole belief system is a religious belief system. You just have to start with the premise that, you know, white people are bad and colonialism and all this stuff and intersectionality and that racism is the original sin of white people and that they have to, you know, feel guilt for it and purge from it. And it's really it's really a religious system of thinking. And I already have a religion, so I'm all set with that. And I don't need this to come and encumber my beliefs. There, there actually is a group that's trying to get... Um, critical race theory in in the court system to be defined as a religion because then you could actually prevent them from teaching it in schools. Ooh, very interesting. So I have, here's my condition to, to Mara, mm-hmm. the, the people who want to, I think that, okay, if they want to, by default, have our people, our kids, submit to the I, notion that they're racists and they want to uh, train the racism out of them, I think I'm willing to make a deal. As long as everybody in Mara takes uh, anti-pedophilia training so that they can train the pedophilia out of them. They have to admit, by the way, that it's in them because the same way, and it's systemically in them if it's not, if they're not legitimately. Because now if we've all got this original sin and something horrific, then I think that's fine, okay? And once Mara does that and proves thoroughly that they can wean themselves off of pedophilia, then the rest of us can work on uh, weaning ourselves off this contrived, non-existent uh, malady that uh, that we all carry. Right, exactly. It's, if you're going to make me do a class that starts with the premise that I'm racist, then I don't want to do the class. Because I don't... Jeez, why not? Because I don't you know, want to validate the notion that I'm racist. I don't validate the notion that, that I'm racist. If you can privilege. If you can, you know, tell me how a policy that I support, you know, impacts people of color in a negative way and you want to talk about alternative policies, you know, I'm all for that. Like I've said on this show before about Brianna Taylor, I'm fully against no-knock raids and, you know, I support Rand Paul's bill in the Senate to end no-knock raids that's named after Brianna Taylor. I'm all for that. I don't think that uh, Garner in in New York should have been killed for loose cigarettes. And I think New York should get rid of those laws. I am all about solutions to problems for no, the black community. They were killing him in New York uh, for selling loose cigarettes because of the racism in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Right. So I get frustrated because the same people that want me to sit here and beat myself up for my real or imagined racism will fight tooth and nail to make sure that no affordable housing gets built in the town. They'll fight tooth and nail to make sure the property taxes don't get lowered to make our town more affordable to people. Because let me tell you that a real issue facing the black community is lack of housing that they can afford because unlike white people who have passed down generational wealth, often in the form of real estate, a lot of black people have have no generational wealth to fall back on. They don't have a down payment for a huge house in West Newbury or wherever else. And the 
the more that you feed into that system, the the more that you're going to make it harder to have black people in your community. And some people might think that that has more of a real world impact than, you know, making all the teachers in the Pentucket school system admit their deep racism. So anyway, that's... you know what? It's that kind of talk that makes this a no fly zone. Alice. Right. You're feeding right. Into it. A no all right. Fly you zone. gotta get to work. All right. Well, I'll let you go. All right. You're letting me go. I'm letting you go. I'll let you go. All right. I'll see you in a bit. All right. Bye. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for everything. I really appreciate it. Email me Winchester at gmail.com. Two ends in that. You can get me at uh, our Twitter at Tom Shattuck. Get Alice at Alice at Alice Shattuck. Um, we're going to be expanding some stuff very shortly. We've got some uh, interviews coming up as well in the next weeks here. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. It's, it's, um, I'm really flattered. I'm flattered. Oh my, geez. I'm, um, I'm honored. Uh, am I honored? What am I? I'm chastened. It's very touching that you all listen is what I'm trying to say. And unfortunately, I'm not educated enough to have the words to tell you. Anyway, thanks so much. See you later. Have a good night. I'm humbled is what it is. Jeez. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.